All right, Hillary, let's get underway with Hillary Hahn Plays Bach, the sequel. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. That's what it is. Well, I was, you know, something struck me because I'm kind of a... Maybe it's the prequel, though. You know, if you look at the order of pieces. I'm kind of a Star Wars nerd, so I was just thinking that, uh, <laughs> you know, you made fans wait about 20 years in between the, the two CDs here. <laughs> yep. And the other thing that, that I realized, of course, is that when you were 17 and this first disc came out, I mean, critics remarked on this re- young violinist making his debut and plunging right into Bach. I guess it surprised critics, but it doesn't sound like it was such a surprise for you because you always had Bach in your fingers. Yeah, for me, the the reason I recorded Bach as my first album was pretty practical. I was not looking at what was expected of a 16 or 17 year old, but rather what was I most comfortable playing. And it happened to be solo Bach because that's what I had been working on pretty much every day since I was nine. There was no other piece that I was that close to. So it felt like recording anything else would have been somewhat arbitrary. This was really who I was as a musician and the repertoire I felt most secure in. My teachers always believed that it was really important to work on Bach every day, and I think that there's a pedagogical technique to teaching Bach as a steady sort of um, developmental tool, if you will, in a violinist's uh, toolbox. But I think it's also just so musically connective that despite how difficult it is Technically, you always have that musical line that you're striving for, and that's a big motivator for someone who has to work on something every day for years. And for me, I find the interweaving of the demands on the performer and the opportunities for self-expression towards the audience, I find that to be a pretty magical combination, and it has endless... Um, endless details to dive into. Now, by the BWV numbers of the two discs and the two sets of pieces here, your first disc was really, again, by the publishing, the, the last three. So really, you're going back to the very beginning with that sonata number one in G minor, BWV 1001. I am, and it's also back to the beginning of my time with solo Bach, because the first two movements I learned of this whole set of repertoire were the Siciliano and Presto from that particular sonata. And a lot of the the students that learn Bach, you know, their first entry into this repertoire is the first chord of that first sonata in G minor. So whenever you hear that as a violinist, you're immediately thrown back to your first exposures to this repertoire, your first explorations of this repertoire. And the reason I recorded the second half first was simply that those were the pieces that I was playing the most at that time. And I think they're very well known within the repertoire, but every piece has its own character and every piece has its standout moments. So. I feel like having the whole set recorded now kind of shows the whole range of that repertoire. 
That makes sense. I mean, we we see lots of recordings made or performances of Partita Number no. Three. It has、um, so many cheerful little dance-like movements to it, and Partita Number、no. Two has that massive chacon at the end of it. Yes. But you know, revisiting these earlier pieces, which probably aren't programmed quite as often, I've been listening to your disc for the last couple of days, and there's much to admire and enjoy in these pieces.、Uh, you mentioned the Siciliana and Presto. Those. Just by themselves, make a wonderful pairing.、Uh, I noticed that Siciliana is one of the rare movements that goes away from a minor key into a major key.、Mm-hmm. And you also have that a little bit in the second sonata, in the third movement.、Um, it's in C major as opposed to the A minor of the rest of the sonata. Yet it's not a particularly upbeat movement. It's actually really, really touching, and it's. Very unique in his writing. It's got this steady, pulsing sort of heartbeat of a rhythm that continues throughout, despite chords and despite melodic twists and turns. He always returned to that that rhythmic reminder of time passing. So there are such beautiful pieces within this part of the set that it's easy to kind of forget about all of the beautiful moments that are in this whole set of six works because it's a lot. There's there's just a lot there, and the things that stick out are, of course, the chaconne, which is one of the biggest movements that Bach wrote for a solo instrument, and. That's a blockbuster, yes. And the preludio from the E major partita is very, very famous and is used in a lot of places outside of the concert hall. And then you have the third sonata from the second half of the set, which is the biggest fugue that Bach wrote for solo violin. But in this set, you have just these really beautiful compositions and in individual movements that say so many different things from each other, and. It's interesting in the first sonata, the Siciliana. The Siciliana is a, a sort of a dance, and it's unusual for him to have a dance movement in a sonata. Usually, those are saved for the partitas. And in the first partita, you have this unusual structure of the basic movement. There are four named movements, and then four doubles. And so the double is immediately following the movement that has a name. <laughs> and the the double is a sort of a Variation based on the entire structure of the previous movement, so it's it's kind of like a mirror, but it's a different character from from the original. So I find it a fascinating piece, and there are a lot of really big decisions you have to make when you're shaping your interpretation of it. So it can go in any which way. When I talk to cellists about the cello suites. And the first one is in G major, and the last one, number six, was written for a different kind of cello, a six-string cello, and and there seems to be a, a journey of relative simplicity to complexity. Do you see that kind of journey across these six pieces, or is it structured differently than that? 
Some simplest and most complex. Hmm. I don't see it as being that linear. I see each piece as having its own character, and I see each movement as having its own expression. So, yes, it's interesting that each sonata has a longer fugue. <laughs> you add a, a couple pages to each one, and it changes the nature of it. But I don't feel like you're looking at the growth of a of a composer from the first sonata to the end of the third partita. I think they're just all different facets of his personality as a writer. And when I think of, when I listen to Bach, I think of Bach, architecture is a word that comes into my mind because of the, the beautiful balance and structure. And, and there seems to be a balance of many of his sets of pieces for different instruments. And it's often a set of six, which may have been a publisher's uh, suggestion, I'm not sure, but, but it, um, it, it allows us as the listener to kind of go back and forth between these styles. Uh, wouldn't you say between the sonatas, which are sort of Italian? And to me, the partitas are more like French suites with their dance style movements. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with, with these works, it's, it's possible to read into it whatever you want to read into it. And as a performer, that's a really important strength. You can really customize your approach to them. You can reference his other works. You can just take them at face value. You can play them in a modern way. You can play them in an older way. And I think the reason architecture comes to mind is with architecture, you have a lot of considerations. There are many different proportions and there are practical aspects you have to keep in mind if you're building something. Um, there are mathematical relationships between aspects of this building that you're creating. There's just the fact that it has to be sketched out and then made into something that exists in space and is real. I think when you look at box music, there's what's on the page and there's what it grows into when it's taken into a physical space with acoustics. And proportion is what the notes tell you. So the notes tell you that this note is proportionately twice as long as this note, for example, or that this pitch is higher than that pitch. So you're looking at a map on the page. The way his music is even more architectural is, at least for these works, it's polyphonic. So there are essentially up to four different voices. There are four strings on the violin, so there are up to four different melodies, sub-melodies, um, harmonic lines, all of these different things that any one voice can be for the violin. There are all these things happening at once. So you have many different dimensions and you can play with dimension in a lot of ways you can't if you're just playing a melody or you're just playing an accompanimental line. It's definitely architectural in the sense that you're building a structure and you're showing detail and you're almost playing with gradients of light, but the light is actually the, the structure of the phrasing and what you shine the spotlight on at any one time. So it's really, really fascinating music to approach. And I really do feel like it exists in a very physically dimensional space. So Hillary, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to to the image of you playing Bach for 
a, a live audience, whether that be in a formal recital setting or as I, I've learned you love to do, um, spontaneous mini concerts. What brings you the most joy when performing this particular music, these Bach pieces, when you get to do it for an audience? Sometimes my performances are just individual movements. It might be an encore after a concerto, so I'm just by myself and I play a movement of Bach, or it might be that there's an occasion for which, like I recently played at a birthday party and I chose a movement from, one movement from each of three different pieces and I kind of created my own mini box sonata with these mix and match things and sometimes I get the chance to play a whole piece. So for me, I think the most satisfying thing about Bach is playing those first notes and having the feeling that the room is suddenly sucked into the music, the, that everyone is in this same experience together. And there's something about this music that inevitably does that, whether the audience is babies or whether it's people knitting or people in a concert hall or anything. I just feel like it's a very genuine space to exist in together.